Hey everyone, it is Sean and Dave here from Saturday Morning Cartoons. We want to thank the following people for going to patreon.com slash Saturday Morning Cartoons and supporting our show. So a huge thank you to Derek Haynes. Dr. Jason Woods. Jamal Newman. Melanie Harker. Allison Keene. The one and only Sean Paul Ellis. And the amazing Dave Trumbor. Oh, thank you so much. Now, it might sound kind of weird that we are thanking some familiar people and ourselves in this list, but we want to let you listeners out there know that we are not just asking you to support us through Patreon. We are actually putting our hard-earned dollars uh, into the show as well. So we just want to say thank you to those who have supported. And for anyone who can't but would like to help that, help out the show in some way, feel free to share our Patreon page within your social media circles. It would really help a lot. So thank you, guys. We appreciate you going to patreon.com slash Cartoons to sponsor and support our podcast. And now, on with the show. Hello and welcome to Saturday Morning Cartoons, the weekly podcast that revisits, reviews, and ridicules some of the world's weirdest animated series. Coming to you from Mabase, I'll be your co-host Dave Trumbor, <laughs> and currently riding his Vespa into the recording studio, my co-host Sean Paul Ellis. How's it going, Sean? Screech! David, 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 I'm doing well, buddy. How are you? I'm fine. I think you might want to get those brakes checked. And why are you carrying just like a bass guitar on your back? Uh, I'm going to hit you in the head with it. Okay. Yeah, I'm going to hit you right in the face with it. Should I, like, ask for an explanation or just go with it? Uh, you know what? I'd go with it because the thing I don't want you to do mm-hmm. about what I'm, the action that I'm about to perform, as well as also the cartoon that we're about to talk about tonight, is I don't want you to think too much about it. Oh, fair enough. I don't think that'll be a problem once you bludgeon me in the head uh, yeah. with a bass guitar, especially if strange things start sprouting out from my skull that I've never oh. seen before. You have to, uh, you got to create that N.O. portal N-O. that comes... <laughs> Oh, Jesus. And I'm already lost. Uh, we're, uh, we are obviously transitioning tonight into the wild and weird and wacky world of anime, starting with one of the strangest... <laughs> Zach Morris, time out. We're not... Tra- we're not we're, we're, we've been watching anime for over a month now at this point. We're just continuing look, with man, more anime. Look, mecha makes sense, right? There's nothing weird about people <laughs> okay. flying okay. around in giant robots that transform into fighting machines. There's nothing weird or otherworldly oh, yeah. about that. Super sorry, you're right. Happens every day. It really does. In Japan, I'd assume. <laughs> or the nation of Britannia. <laughs> oh, man. You, we wonder sometimes why other countries are just like, you know, Americans are weird. And we're just like, yeah, well, at least we don't drive giant fighting robots like you do. Oh, I wish, unfortunately. All Very right, well, culturally let me ask you sensitive. This, Based on the last month's worth of uh, Mecha March Madness, is tonight's episode and series weirder than anything we've watched in the last month? Uh, man, that's a hard question. Okay. I think in some cases, uh, yes. And in other cases, no. Like, I don't think it's a, an apples to oranges comparison. Uh, I think that there, there are a lot of parallels and a lot of similarities. And I, but I will say that I don't, I think that this cartoon's just kind of bonkers, uh, by design. Okay. Um, you know, and so we should probably definitely say that we are talking about, obviously, FLCL, otherwise known as Fooly Cooly. Yeah. And so, and yeah, uh, it's not, like you said, it's not an apples to origins. Origins? Not origins. An apples to origins. Guys, Wolverine Origins in theaters it's now. It's not an apples to Wolverine Origins comparison. <laughs> and neither is an apples to oranges comparison. <laughs> but obviously, we have apples. So, as we get into this tonight, Sean, buddy, why don't you give us some of the history so we can get into the show proper? All right. So, as I mentioned, FLCL. 
uh, pronounced in English, or originally actually called Furikuri, pronounced in English as Fulikuli, is an original video animation anime series that's written by Yoji Enokido, directed by Kazuya Suromaki, and produced by Gainax Production IG and King Records. The six-episode series was released in Japan from 2000 to 2001. A manga and novel were also created at the time. It aired in the United States on Adult Swim in 2003, once again on the network's Toonami block from 2013 to 2014. The series is also available on Hulu, iTunes, and the Funimation's website. This is actually what really got me excited about watching this tonight, is that two new seasons totaling 12 episodes were announced on March 24, 2016, as a co-production between Production IG and Adult Swim. So we are getting new episodes after 16-something, 17 years now since the original production of this show, which should hopefully, which, I don't know, it might answer some questions. I doubt it will. I kind of hope it doesn't, to be honest. Like, so originally this thing only had six episodes, and we're actually going to talk about the finale tonight, the climax, if you will, uh, the sixth episode. So I think the fandom is kind of divided, though. Because I know a lot of people out there, like, they took that six episodes, they loved it, they watched it over and over again to kind of try to figure everything out. Because you need to watch this thing a few times before you have an idea of what the hell's going on. A lot of people have done, like, extensive sort of background research into uh, Tsurumaki and uh, Inokido's, like, reasoning behind doing the, the story the way that they did. I don't know that 12 episodes, 12 more episodes is what people want. Um, I guess we'll kind of have to wait and see how that plays out and then, you know, make our decisions from there but it'd be a great thing to revisit in the future yeah i definitely agree and i think the one thing that i i I would actually i'm curious to kind of read more about as they get ready and produce these new episodes is is it going to be something where it's a time dash from the end of this first season are we going to be incorporating is it going to be a story that highlights completely new characters or are we going to pick up with our old characters but to learn a little bit about those more or the current characters that we have for tonight Dave, why don't you give us a little bit about the synopsis? Yeah, so here's what this thing's kind of about. So Naota is a normal student living with his abnormal father and grandfather, and one day a seemingly insane girl named Haruko blazes in from out of nowhere on her Vespa, wielding an electric guitar with a buzzsaw. Technically, it's a bass. Haruko moves in with Naota under the pre- pretense of being housekeeper, but Naota knows there's something obviously strange about her. To make matters worse, large shapes are growing out of his head, hatching into large monsters that Haruko makes her mission to kill. Who is Haruko really, and what is she after? You won't find out until the end of this bizarre story, which we're going to talk about tonight. So guess what? If you haven't seen (laughs) the previous five episodes or haven't seen Fully Cooley at all, uh, we're going to spoil everything tonight. So here's your spoiler warning, I guess, for a 17-year-old cartoon series. (laughs) Now we're going to take a little page from the book uh, Mecha March Madness. We're going to kind of keep the same categories, the same uh, themes that we talked about in that show. We're not going to score them this time around. We're just going to use it as kind of like a discussion guide. So we're going to kick off by starting about uh, talking about the theme song intro outro, because this is kind of an interesting one. There is no straight up intro or theme song. So out of the gates, it's already different from most other anime series. So the cool thing is like music is very present throughout the series, uh, but it's mostly like the only kind of typical thing is the end theme. You want to start with the end theme or do you want to talk about kind of the music that's throughout? series uh yeah let's talk about the end theme okay cool. um i really liked just for the the producers and the creators that we had for this show i really like the fact that uh one of the big ideas behind this is that they kind of wanted to break the mold 
in terms of uh, the anime and what they were creating. And so uh, they hired a, uh, a, I guess, a a relatively well-known band. Well, I think after the fact, I don't know if at the time they were, well, they had been around since 1989, so maybe they had some notoriety. Talking about the the pillows, right? Yep. Yeah. And so uh, the pillows were were contracted to create the the theme song for it. And so um, I love it. I really, really enjoy it. It was definitely something where I, I could not tell you right now if you played the, the theme song for me prior to having rewatched this, this finale episode. I probably couldn't have like sounded out or, or mentioned or, or hummed anything. It, it just hadn't remained an earworm with me. But the second it came back on, there definitely was that immediate association with having watched it back when it premiered on Adult Swim and right. being like, holy crap, like, I really dig in that music. And I guess actually for me, a lot of it was because of that point in time. Like you and I were both in Pittsburgh and I I don't know about you, but I definitely listened to a lot of indie rock during that time. And I will, I'll even confess, I listened to a, I listened to a lot of emo music back in the day. And so, and so this was a, this was one of those things that like, it really hit that sweet spot for me. Um, You know, during this, this actual outro uh, theme music, and I really enjoyed it. Like there was, it was so good. Oh, how did you feel about the theme song? Yeah, I liked it. I couldn't even like honestly tell you what it was now, but I had that same kind of feeling where it was like, oh, it takes me back to like early two thousands when again I either watched it on Adult Swim or I watched it in that Pittsburgh Japanese anime club that I used to hang <laughs> out with. That was a lot of fun, man. Those are good times. Yeah, I went me to and, a couple uh, of those. Yeah, former uh, co-host of the show Matt Barron used to go to them too. So yeah, it was a good time. Uh, yeah, I can't P- remember P Jack. Yeah, old P. Jack. A terrible name. Um, but yeah, it, it took me back to that, playing that theme song again. And w- what I thought was interesting about having an outro song, but not an intro song, very typically, and we've talked about it for 146 episodes up, up to this point, like that intro song, it paves the way for what you're going to see in the show. So if it's your first introduction to it, then it should lay out like, here's the people you're going to see. Here's kind of the general idea of what they're going to get up to. And it should set the tone whether it's a more dramatic show, whether it's a, a wild, crazy, fun show, or whether it's just like an action-packed series. It should kind of set that tone. Since Bully Cooley is kind of none of those things, you can't really pin it down and say it's one thing or another, then an intro song would kind of be working against itself to be able to do that. So I, I love that you just let this, the show play out, and then there's just like a cool outro song to take you, you know, take you away and kind of give you like a cool-down moment. Where you can just be like process all the crazy stuff that you just watched over the last twenty five minutes or so. Um, but yeah, I like it. I like that they mix. It's it's got that like kind of pop punk style, the indie kind of alternative style. It's not a straight up poppy, bright song. It's definitely not like a rock song, which we're used to in these theme songs. The visual elements are super cool because they shift from one animation style to another. They have yeah. sort of like superimposed, traditional kind of hand drawn. Uh, cartoonish animation in the front but they have kind of like watercolor landscapes and and very detailed backgrounds and environments and structures and things like that it's a really kind of cool contrast and then you want to talk about the vespa the vespa scenes yeah so i mean oh just so what what makes them stand out in the in the outro what visually about them makes them stand out just the the vespa yeah Fill me in. What did you find interesting? <laughs> the fact I'm that it's live now. action. The fact that it's live action. So you're watching oh. an animated series. <clears throat> yeah, and sorry. No, no, no. It's fine. That's all animated. And then it cuts to these like weird montages of sort of like, it's not stop somebody motion. On a, somebody with a GoPro? 
sort of somebody with a GoPro, but like it's almost <laughs> like somebody just taking, you know, snapshots every few seconds. So it's like a weird herky-jerky stop motion montage that lasts for a very long time right. from a Vespa. Actually, I think this was the director's Vespa. And it was him just like taking the shots as he went and incorporating it into the outro sequence. So I thought it was a nice kind of nod, sort of when we talk about characters, we talk about uh, Mamimi and just sort of her her goal to be a photographer. It was sort of uh, I can't believe I that I missed that for two seconds. But um, just this this whole thing is is just well, and also the Vespa plays strongly too because it's Haruko's like essentially spoiler alert again, essentially like her spacecraft. Yeah. Yeah, so it's like it's her way she gets around town, but it's also a spacecraft. <clears throat> yeah. There's a lot of weird stuff in the show, which we're only going to yeah. skim the surface of because we only watched the last half hour. So I, I, I guess I would describe, I, I, I agree with everything you said. I think it's a definite disservice if they would try to have put a theme song. Yeah. I kind of equate this outro as sort of like, as you mentioned, the, your recovery. Like, this is when you can finally exhale. Yeah, or just be like, oh, of, it's done. Like everything that just happened, it's like, oh, it's actually, they're not faking me with like a fake ending. Like it's over. Like the half hour has run its course. Let's rewind and watch it again. Yeah. I know. Actually, you know, it was good enough that I I began looking. I was like, how do I add this to a playlist on Spotify? Because I want to listen to this more regularly. I really do enjoy it. Yeah, it's a cool song. I'm actually actually curious just to look up the entire soundtrack. Yeah. And that's the other thing. So the music, all the music, as far as I know, is provided by the pillows. And it is yes. throughout the series. So it's not just a contract with somebody for the theme song or even just to do the soundtrack. Like it plays in the background of pretty much the entirety of an episode. So sometimes it's a little more obvious than others. Like if people are just talking, but there's music playing in the background, almost like if at a coffee shop. I loved it. I, I thought it was great. It was a very different way to set the tone, to present the story that was going on. There was no kind of like foley. I mean, there was, but it wasn't like just foley or just you know, ambient noise in the background. It had a full soundtrack to it for pretty much the entirety of each episode. It was, uh, a lot of it was really angsty yeah. and, and very kind of like, uh, very grungy at parts. Like there were moments where you could just tell that it was just somebody just kind of like on the hi-hat of like a drum. Um, or, or you could tell that it was just somebody just kind of like strumming like minor chords. Yeah. Like, and it's just, it's driving and you hear it in the background. Like it's enough that like, as I was hearing it, I kind of just started like patting my hand on the couch. Yeah. Like, because yeah, the whole thing is it. very like, musical. Oh. Yeah. And because there, there were moments where like you feel like it's moving on so long, you're just like, this has to be building to something. And in some cases, it was. Some cases, in it really ca- was not at all. Yeah. And, yeah. And in some, in some cases, it built all this like teen angsty tension and then just deflated. Yep. And it, it like it, but like there were, there were moments that we'll talk about in this episode tonight where like, things would just kind of burst out of nowhere and you're just like, yeah, and that's where I want it. Yeah. That's what I want to happen. Yep. Thank you. It's like when you, you know, we, we've had this before, like with other, we had this most notably with Cowboy Bebop, you know, where we had the seatbelts that created like the entire kind of soundtrack and how it plays in and it's coupled so well with the visuals. Right. Tonight, the pillows did exactly yep. that with Fully Fully. It's just, it's, it's, it's there. It's, it's always present and it does such a great job of, of, keeping you invested with everything that's going on regardless of how mundane uh or fucking bananas yeah. crazy because it show does is. walk both sides of that yeah. yes so it's interesting it was kind of like watching a music video it's almost like not watching an anime series at all you're just like watching a crazy avant-garde out there an experimental music video that just went on for three hours if you watch the yeah. whole series and told like a completely bonkers story that you weren't really sure what happened by the time you were done watching it <laughs> 
<laughs> you know, it was kind of like a like a drug fueled kind of like mind trip. There are a lot, surprisingly, a lot of um, what's the word? A lot of critiques, a lot of deep dives on what people think this is about, what the directors and writers said it was actually about, and there's a lot of like cool uh, things to pull from the story, which we probably won't get into as much tonight, just from the one episode. But since this does kind of conclude everything, we'll definitely touch on some of the themes that a uh, fully fully brings up. So cool. it all sounds insane. But if you if you kind of look at it with the critical eye, it's definitely got some more to it, some more layers to it. And right. we will see that there is a pretty steep divide between haters and lovers of this series out there, too. But we'll get to that once we get to our uh, other reviews at the hated. end. Yeah, yeah, exactly. All right, so before we get into the plot or even the characters tonight, like just what was it about the animation style that set Fully Coolie apart from you or that stood out to you? Sure. So the thing that really stood out about the, the animation style is that it... It felt like it. It felt like the show itself had like ADHD. Definitely. It, it it felt like it never could stay with a consistent style. There were a lot of very uh, the the four elements that I had, or the I guess maybe the the five elements that I had was it's very traditional anime mm-hmm. uh, kind of style that everybody's used to. And then while this is happening, a character or a background character at some point could morph into a chibi style, sort of that very cute style, while everybody else is in traditional. There were also elements of animated motion comics, which they reference as being like their manga form. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, that they're in. And then, I, I don't know, like there, there have been some, card, or some anime that I've watched that have had this, but it's like that extreme fish-eye lens kind of view, which shows like paranoia. Yeah. Um, and, and, and people like when they're in like an, an extremely nervous or, or, or like time sensitive situation to show that like uh, the, those stakes um, that are present. And then, as you mentioned in the theme song, just live action. Like there's, yep. it, this, this show refuses to, to kind of conform to, to anything that I think that I've ever really watched at that point yep. um, or had watched at that point. Or even and since, it just honestly, continue- I can't think of anything that's right. like comparable. To- and it just continues to, to kind of morph. And so, you think at some point, you know, or it also has elements of of kind of a like a like a kaiju or like some type of like a like a monster, like oh, a giant definitely. monster thing that would be present. And so there are just these moments where you're just like, ah, oh, okay, I think I understand this show. And then it totally changes its style and art direction. And I think it's really weird because one of my favorite moments, especially in this episode, mm-hmm. is when they break into that manga form. Yep. Yeah, it's very recognizable, very distinct. They only, I think, do it twice in the six episodes, and it's because like a huge portion of their budget actually went to that. So when they say in this sequence... <laughs> really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So when they say in this sequence that they like break the fourth wall, and they're like, hey, we should right. probably knock it off with this manga stuff, because it's like super expensive, and the show and the animators asked if we would not do that again like we did in the first episode, but we did it again anyway. <laughs> I love that moment from like a storytelling standpoint, but also from like an artistic standpoint because it's so crazy and so different and it seems like it would be easy because it looks like you just had a manga page and the camera just like jumps around from scene to scene but it's so chaotic and there's so much going on and even though it's just black and white with a bunch of kanji symbols and crazy illustrations going on everywhere and like the the there's like four people talking at one time while this is all going on it's very like perverted and like hypersexualized at times and you're just kind of like there's so much happening and it's represented in such a way, it's, it, it looks like you're like speed reading through a manga. And you're not quite catching everything, but you're being forced to just like flip pages. It's almost like you take your thumb to the edge of it and just kind of like flip it through 
and and kind of try to soak up as much as you possibly can in that like snapshot that you get to see it but it was such a cool a cool way to shake the viewers up a little bit to get a different style across and i love that these shifts in animation reflect the shifts in the narrative too you can have like right. you can have a depressed kid walking home one second and then something surprising happens and then there's an all-out fight and then it turns into like a weird sexual situation and then everything gets like calmed down at the end of it all within about like 30 seconds and the, I mean, the shifts I, in animation help to tell that story I, I might be wrong but i think that the uh that the shift in animation happens in the first one because it's this grandfather, father, son, how to go kind of sexual moment yeah. where they're talking about stuff. And so, I mean, for anything, for consistency's sake, I love the fact that they kind of throw you back into that yeah. where, and, and they're self-aware and it's a meta commentary on a criticism that they've, re- that they've received about the show yeah. that they're like, you know what? We don't really care. Like we did our thing. You love the fact that this show really, really looks at you and says, you're either going to love this or you're going to hate it. Or you it. turned it either off way, a while ago, yeah. Either way, guess what? Six episodes. It's not like you're wasting, you know, this, this isn't some epic saga Naruto yeah, or Dragon Ball episodes. Z. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Uh, like you're, not, you're not wasting a lot of time with this. Yeah. I also love the fact that with that manga kind of sequence or sequences, this thing, start, as far as I know, if our history's right, it started as an anime, an original anime, and then they had a manga that came after, which is That's obviously correct. the flip of how most of these things happen. So it was kind of an interesting way to be like, Oh hey, look, we're gonna, we're gonna have this anime series, then we're gonna have a manga section in it because normally you start with the manga and then you animate it. So I just I don't know if that was intentional or just like a fun way to show another way that they're like flipping convention. But I I don't know I liked it. It was very characteristic of this. I again can't think of anything else that's done that. I would have loved if this had been something. They're just like, look, we did a we did a, a painting on a dinner plate that turned into an OVA. That then turned into a manga. Yeah. That then we painted the back of one single bird and we sent it to the moon. And you're like, I don't know what any of that means, but I mean, I'm kind of along for the ride. So fuck it, it would let's make, do it. It would make sense on this show, honestly. It's <laughs> almost exactly how it all turns out. I feel like a lot of this was just these, like the the producer, the creator. They were just like they were just shit, like they were just spitballing at a bar one night, and somebody was like, you know what? Fuck it, hold my beer. I'm gonna go make an anime right now, and you're just like, "All right, do it, dare you?" Yeah. And then the next morning, you woke up with this whole story, and you're just like, "Oh, we drank way too much." <laughs> the last next night. morning, he walks in and smashes you in the face with a bass guitar. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's actually like from some of the background stuff that I've read and and watched, uh, like YouTube videos and stuff about the history of it. Um, it basically was like the creator just took all the shit that he thought was cool and smashed it all together into a kitchen sink anime called Bully Bully. And that that that's what's crazy is that. Nine times out of ten, that doesn't, no, work. doesn't work. That that plan, that logic is so flawed. You can't just take everything you love from other things, smash them all together. Like I can't take Indiana Jones, Blade Runner, Star Wars, and and the thing and mash it all together into one thing. Like the maybe I can. I think you kind of can actually. <laughs> I mean, but I mean, like it just it's not gonna work. No. Like, all those things aren't gonna function. This is like. This is really one of those those gems, you know, where we're I, I don't know if poor planning or just a rushed schedule uh, or just so many crazy ideas that just came together and coalesced in such a way that you were just like, this is fucking genius. I think it's sort of like you just you burn straight through that creative energy without ever stopping to think like, does this make sense? Am I hitting all four quadrants? I'm going to be able to sell toys. This is just straight up like creative energy just directed and poured into the screen and that's it. Like, look, Sean and I like pierogi. 
We like toaster strudels. <laughs> We're not trying to make a sandwich that sandwiches a pierogi between toaster strudels, right? Because if you stop and think about it, it's a terrible idea. But if you just do it, who knows? It might be delicious. Look, you know, KFC makes a lot, oh a lot of really terrible food. So does Taco Bell sometimes. But guess what? I'm still going to eat them. Not, it's not like I'm going to stop eating them, all right? So what's it to say that you can't make your own crazy food? What if you used two different toaster strudels what? and you put Mrs. T's pierogies in the middle what? and made a sandwich? Sounds crazy to me. You don't need frosting at that point, but maybe you put it in there anyway. Look, I'm a buttoned-up businessman with conservative values, and that sounds awful to me. Go on, buttoned-up businessman. How can we appeal to your sensibilities gonna... with these, this taste sensation? <laughs> I just want everything to be vanilla flavored. <laughs> what if we put vanilla frosting inside of your Too fancy. I'm out. You've lost my sandwich. business. Oh, really? I'm just going to go home and watch some Bully Cooley. Oh, back to the drawing board. Back to the drawing No, I love it though because it is just kind of like frenetic. It's crazy. They don't stop and think about it. They just did it. And like you said, yeah. most of the time it doesn't work. And this time it did. Yeah. So anything else from the animation style that jumps out at you or do you want to get into <sighs> some of these wacky characters? I think we're already bleeding into these characters, so yeah. let's do this. You want to start with uh, Naota, which one of the, I can't, I have a tough time with his name. Oh, Naota? Uh, Naota. They, yeah. I think they call him, what, Takun every once in a while? Yeah, they call him, uh, it's uh, Taku. Ta- Taku or Takun? Taku? I thought it was Taku. I got it written down somewhere. I thought it was, either way. Uh, Taku. Uh, especially because, like, towards the end, we have uh, Mamimi, um, <laughs> yeah. when she meets this little robot creature, which is adorable mm-hmm. again, because it's like a little pug dog, yeah. but it's a robot, so and she feeds it cell phones. I I loved it. Um, she calls him at some point. She's like, "I'm gonna call you Taku," which I believe was her nickname for Naota. Yeah, so Naota used to kind of date uh, Mamimi, and then Takun was also, and it, it does end with an N. At least the subtitles that I that I had ends with an N. Takun. So she had, I think, a cat that she called that, and then kind of calls him. That is like a term Taku of endearment. As well. Yeah. Yeah. And then calls this little robot dog creature uh, as well. So calls this massive terminal core. Yeah. Which Taku. we'll get into. We'll explain that. But okay, first let's let's start with Naota. So what's yeah. what's up with this guy? He's kind of like our love struck protagonist. He at the beginning, you don't really know this. This is some backstory. He's basically trying to be older than he is. So he's trying to grow up more quickly than he realistically is. Trying to be an adult, do adult things, sure. even if he doesn't really want to or understand how to do that. So what's your take on uh, Naota? Uh, he just seemed to be suffering from the, like, the worst 90s case of ennui yeah. possible. Uh, I mean, he just, you know, it, even from the beginning, uh, like from episode one all the way through episode six, there's sort of that bookend and reiteration of nothing, nothing ever really happens in my town. Yeah. Like, nothing ever happens here, nothing really interesting. Uh, ever occurs and i'm just like there seems to be really interesting things around you all the time uh i mean it it just really was that sort of uh like we've got a couple tropes that we play into characters with this say naalta definitely falls into that sort of like disinterested youth yep he's he's uh, trope definitely the school kid too everybody goes to school in this one so that's a very typical anime thing yep absolutely school kid trope uh in in effect here um you know and but then we kind of branch out uh, from there, but before we do that, I just want to say now Ota just seemed like he was extremely relatable, you know, in every way. Like yeah. he, there, there wasn't a ton there, which you know, again, we've talked about like when he's sort of uh, when you have characters 
you know, who have sort of like the, the primary goal or, or, or drive to be loved, to find love, like, you know, or just to be accepted, you know, that seems extremely relatable. Everything else, you kind of fill in some of those gaps within your own mind. You can project as much of yourself on him as you want. Like, even from the, the moment where he's trying to be older by like drinking like bitter, yeah. bitter soft drinks, yeah. you know, those things are, those things are, are, are interesting. And there's small details. Like, he originally drinks like sweet kind of soda, and now he begins to try to drink bitter stuff because, you know, when you're sweet, it's associated with candy, being a child, right. bitter, coffee, adult. And so, like, you can see very quickly sort of the train of thought uh, that sort of is by, behind now. It's, a, it's just, it's one of those great things where it's, you know, kind of, bl- like kind of vanilla character, yeah. you know, who has these incredible circumstances that are thrust upon yeah and he is kind of that blank slate so you can put yourself kind of in his shoes i like another way that they kind of show his desire to be older than he is but also like his station as a child especially in this house where it's like his father and his grandfather are there they're like constantly teasing him about sort of his relationship or whether or not he's like sexually active uh they're also like (laughs) they're the adults right they're the adults in the situation but they're extremely childish they're maybe the most childish like parts of the they're entire not, story dave they're not childish buddy they are straight up perverted oh, they're super pervert but they're super they childish like, about it too. they are super childish horny perverts mm-hmm. that like even during these scenes that we've talked about like when it shifts tone to sort of the the manga style like at one point at one point i'm watching this with <laughs> melanie and she looks over and she goes is the father masturbating and i was like i don't know could be <laughs> May- maybe possibly we cut back to like this quick scene where it's in a traditional anime style and like the grandfather's on his side with his butt hanging out and like the dad just looks like he's been like fondling himself for like the last like two minutes and you're just like, what is this show? <laughs> the crazy thing is like, all right, so it's only six episodes, but in those six episodes, uh, Haruka, who we'll talk about in a second, has like a boxing glove that launches out of her vagina. There is a number <laughs> of right. a number of times where people are just like jiggling each other's parts, whether it's like cat ears or boobs or arms or butts or whatever. The dad like has his face straight up in her crotch a number of times. They have a lot of throwbacks to either they keep saying like "cooly cooly" or they say "footy cooty" or they say "goody goody" or they say a lot of those those kind of like sing song words that sound more and more perverted the more times you say them, especially yeah. when they're like, "Oh, he's like." Uh, was it Nauta's like, oh, don't give me the gurry gurry, don't give me the gurry gurry there. And then the dad yeah, and the right. grandfather are just like, oh, she gave me a gurry gurry, she can give me a gurry gurry right now. It's so <laughs> fucked up because none of that kind of means anything. Holy Cooly doesn't mean anything. Uh, gurry gurry is like a frozen Hawaiian dessert. I mean, okay. It just sounds I'd take, silly. I'd, I'd love gurry gurry. I would love that a gurry gurry. Delicious. I don't know if I'm going to put it right there, but I wouldn't mind a gurry gurry. Hmm. Yeah. Mm. So this this show really deserves <laughs> one of our our classic after, after dark. dark. Yeah, it really it really gets into this. It it's strange because it walks that line of being just like outright kind of anti perversion, but it never quite goes to that point. So it stays on like the jokier side of things, which makes it an interesting one of the one of the ways to approach it is like a coming of age story. So it's basically like this kid who's on the cusp of going through his adolescence and becoming a teenager and becoming a young man. And he's surrounded by all this like sexual energy because obviously he wants to be more adult. So he wants to be like sexually active. And then there's a super hot girl creature alien thing that shows up and it's just like, like kind of with him. Uh, 
the whole thing is like a coming of age story for him. And it, it brings out all that awkwardness, that tension, that frustration, that confusion. It does it in a really crazy way that if you just right. look at it on the surface, it's just like, wow, this show's fucked up and it makes no sense. But if you actually take a second to just be like, oh, if you look at it in that lens, everything starts to make a lot more sense. Go ahead. I was going to say, you know, he's, when we begin this, he's, he's kind of dating or has ended his relationship with Mamimi. I forget, but they uh, have, they've just like recently broken up. And she's, she's an older woman too. Yeah. He like, looks at her an, as kind I, of like an adult. Yeah. Right. You know? And so he's trying again to kind of be more of an adult. Um, I, I don't remember who kind of fell out of affection in the relationship, but she is, she is emo AF. Yeah. I mean, she smoking is writing, she's walking along the river. Cig- no, no. Smoking cigarettes where she's written things on the cigarettes. That's, that's from the director too. I think he saw that in a movie or it's saw it on a, on so a, so cool. Yeah. I can't remember what it says. There's like a well-known phrase like, uh, no, I'm going to screw it up, but, uh, it's a well-known phrase out there. And essentially the director was saying like, you know, sometimes people think they know something, but not, not everybody can know that thing. So there, and it makes no sense, but that's what's written on the side of the, on the side of the cigarette. So, yeah, very emo, very cool. Oh, it's uh, Never Knows Best. Never Knows Best. That's what it is. Never Written on the side of a cigarette that is, like, always partially smoked. Well, because, I mean, you would think that, like, as you're smoking it, you know, you would get rid of the best, and so it would just say never know, and then at the end it would just say never. I don't know. It's fucked up. It was just one of those things, like, I haven't, I haven't smoked in a while, but it's something like that that I saw that was cool, I was just like, maybe I start smoking again. I'm going to start writing on my cigarettes. Maybe I start writing on my cigarettes, guys. <laughs> I don't know. These are bad ideas. Yeah, they're all bad ideas. Great all anime, though. Ideas. Cartoon cigarettes yeah. are fine. Feel free to smoke as many of those as you want. Let's talk mm. about Haruko, because what the hell? <sighs> like, in this particular episode, she has kind of, like, blown the coop a little bit. Her and her robot buddy have kind of vanished, because they're both wanted criminals at this point, because they've caused a lot of right. destruction. She essentially shows up from out of nowhere, riding a Vespa, smashes our buddy Naota in the head with a bass guitar and that forces him to like grow these weird kind of phallic projections from his forehead and eventually they kind of hatch into like these monsters that Haruka then has to kill and like kind of put the rest right so yeah you mentioned earlier about the NO energy yeah it was an NO portal is what she creates on his head so you can like channel channel beings from like across space you know, light years away through this thing on his head from getting whacked in the face with a bass, and then he can just pop them out. I think sure. that uh, Haruko really fits into that manic pixie dream girl yeah, trope, yeah, yeah. Uh, where you know she's she's on a Vespa, she's on this this floating magical spaceship she's, Vespa. She's got a bass, she, uh, pink hair. Yep. She's a rocker. Yep. Uh, she's got uh, you know. Just the the dress is just very tight clothing, very short skirt, yeah. long the, long jacket. Yeah. Quoting that cake song. Cake. Um, <clears throat> she's got uh she has this bracelet yeah. that also just kind of randomly jangles yeah. uh when there's certain energy that's nearby as well. So like literally every part of her uh from from the design to the the chibi style where she sort of sort of becomes a cat yeah uh face uh there's just there's so much going on. And I mean, she really, I mean, just in terms of, you know, we talked about the, the, the energy of this show. She is the driving force behind just about everything that happens because she is the, she's creating this chaos. Yeah, she's the chaotic entity. 
Yeah. And then to complete that kind of pixie dream girl thing, she's like, she's older. We don't know how she, you know, how old she is. Cause she's not technically human or an earthling, but we know that she's older than Nalta because he's basically like love struck by her appearance. And it's just kind of like fawning over her and always following along with her, no matter how much she kind of like clubs him in the head with a base or gets him into crazy violent situations or lands him, you know, square in the sights of this government organization that is tracking some some <laughs> sort of entity that wants to more or less destroy the earth in a very strange way. So this kid ends up kind of in the middle of all this and he's doing it out of love and affection and misguided, you know, kind of eroticism for this this mysterious stranger. So, right. yeah. There's there's one way to look at it that she's literally trying to hammer, you know, adulthood into his head through Ooh. hitting him with the base, which I thought was a little much, but um a little heavy-handed. A little heavy-handed. Well, on the nose. But um that's kind of the idea that we're going with here that like he's trying to to force his way to become an adult and then other entities are kind of trying to force adulthood upon him to the point that he realizes like he's not 100% ready to just take on that responsibility. But we'll get there in a second when we get to the plot. Uh do you want to talk about Amuro and uh Kitsurabami briefly? Sure. So uh Amuro is <laughs> One of the weirdest characters I, I can remember watching, yeah. like the with the first run of this. He, I will say this: I love the fact that he had red hair and giant eyebrows, and giant he eyebrows. He has like a weird will, eyebrow fetish, like I like want to uh, overlook guy the from eyebrows. Naruto. Yeah, right. Yeah. I want <laughs> Rock Lee, light guy. Yeah. Uh, and so, um, he he just has these insane, um, these insane eyebrows, uh, that just like that just seem to have a life of their own mm-hmm. at certain points in time during this show. And, and this episode in particular, the eyebrows get even weirder. Um, I, I don't, it's like you said with the ADD, it's like, even if everything else in this situation is somewhat normal and they're just having a conversation and it's just like a fairly dramatic, serious conversation. Sometimes his eyebrows will just kind of like wander off or just like do their own thing. They just, just caterpillar yeah. off screen. <laughs> or just like do their points. own weird animation. <laughs> Cause he can't, but, nobody can sit still. Nobody on the show yeah. can sit still for five seconds. Well, I mean, and here's even the crazier thing is that Amaro is a special agent for the Bureau of Interstellar Immigration. Correct. And so uh, he kind of comes into the fold after Naota is introduced uh, to Haruko. And so this is like, this is like when his craziness kind of enters in um, because of, of sort of the investigation that he has that he is uh, conducting throughout these entire six episodes that we watch. Yes, which he, he kind of always draws the wrong conclusions. Uh, every time. Every time. So it's, it's, it's time. kind of difficult because like these monsters start to show up and sometimes they get pretty enormous. They get bigger and bigger. So he has this investigation into why these monsters are showing up. What's the deal with these like visiting space aliens? What's the deal with this kid? Why, what's the deal with medical mechanica? What's the deal with medical mechanica? Yeah. You just turned this into a Seinfeld I episode, did. and I love and it. And there's a great uh, laugh track playing in the background. But so yeah, it's the funniest part about him, besides his wandering eyebrows, probably the fact that he's pretty much always wrong. <laughs> it's kind of a fun, consistent thing. It was a little weird in this when he when he kind of hit on his second in command, and she was just like, "Uh, no, that's gonna be yeah. wrong and awkward." It was, it was a very, it, it felt almost out of character for two seconds. It did. And sort of very, dis, like, misplaced within the frame of the show. Yeah. I don't know if it was something where, like, in the final episode, they were trying to show that they have sort of a friendly relationship yeah. with each other because he's asking her, like, what she does after work. Yeah, but then he puts his hand on her hand while she's, like, trying to shift and drive the car, and she's just like, right. this is going to be nope. 
This is not going <laughs> to happen. Yeah. The big nope. So we have these four main characters. Yep. We have uh, uh, Amaro. We have uh, Naota, Haruko, and uh, Mamimi. Mm-hmm. And now we're in this final episode. Yeah, now we're in it. And there's also another character. He's like kind of a robot named Kanti or Conti. Yeah. Who I can't remember too much of him from. I mean, he's very like iconic from the show, but I don't remember too much of like his plot point until this very last episode. Do you remember anything more from him? Uh, I, it was really weird because, um, what was it? I wasn't reminded really of this character until maybe a couple years ago okay. when I was reading Brian K. Vaughn's saga. Okay. And one of the characters has like a television oh, really? for a oh, head. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a whole race of people exactly. that have televisions as heads. Exactly. And I was like, where have I seen this before? <laughs> yeah. And why is this so fucking cool? <laughs> that guy. Um, County. but yeah, I mean, I don't remember much about him other than like, he serves to like sort of illustrate certain points that like Haruko's or Haruko is making, um, like on his screen face, and so he never right. really talks or says much. He just kind of is showing pictures or, or quick icons to kind of further explain things. Yeah, and I think he's just like part. He goes along with the action for some of those stuff too, and kind of interacts with some of these uh, some of these monsters, some of these robotic kind of creations, and other things from. Let's talk about the medical mechanica. Okay, Briefly. let's use the, let's see, we can use this to pivot into our plot. Yeah, here, uh, I'm just going to call it MM for the rest of this, because there's some okay. bonkers name. So MM is essentially like this big corporate structure that we're not 100% sure what they do, but it's part of Amaro's investigation. And sure. should we just get to what it seems like they're actually doing? Uh, I mean, I, I mean, I have an idea from watching this finale episode. You want to save the it I- till the end? Sure. Okay. And so, I, but I... I Suffice it to say that they have nefarious intents, yeah. uh, and it seems like they're sort of hell-bent on being able to apply a method that they've used potentially, or maybe on other planets, seems like it. to the planet Earth. And that's where Haruko comes in, because she's kind of been drawn to this place, because they have something that she wants. And you spend most of the series trying to figure that out. It's revealed in this episode. But the MM, at this point, is sort of symbolized by this giant hand that looks like it grew up out of a mountain. And it's just kind of like sitting in the middle of the city and there's a bunch of like steam or mist emanating around it. And it's kind of like obscuring everything in and around the city. But there's this long bit of dialogue that they go uh, to saying like only the mist exists within the city. And it it could be as if everything on the outside is dead or never existed to begin with. So it's kind of like everybody within the mist's range is just like they're in their own thing. They're like isolated in their own situation. You hit it. You hit the nail on the head with the word isolation. Like you really get the feeling, uh, like that because he he makes reference and and like the illusion is is that the the huge hand that's in there is a city warden, right? And it's sort of keeping them all confined, prison, yeah, into this prison. And that he he even explicitly says nothing exists outside this city. And so like you really kind of begin to wonder, like, is that true? You know, I mean, like we've seen this on other shows where you know. This sort of felt like it was maybe like M. Night Shyamalan's The Village, but for like a Japanese town. Yeah, with like, a giant hand you, you instead of like a weird wolf creature. Well, the thing, so we've talked about the giant hand. What's next to the giant hand that's even fucking weirder? Oh, it's just like a big flat iron. It's a big fucking flat iron. Out. Just chilling. Just chilling. And I love, we'll, we'll get to that in a second too. It's kind of like, uh, what's his name? Naoto. I keep wanting to call him Naruto. Naoto's end, end <laughs> monologue. Is, is pretty interesting the way they contrast it. But anyway, so this episode opens up with a very important lesson, I think, and that is using chopsticks to eat food exercises your brain 
and prevents Alzheimer's. Oh my god. <laughs> but this is what I'm talking about. Like, what a weird way to introduce or to open up your finale, right? Yeah. Like this extended, maybe five minute back and forth scene of a teacher and her students all trying to eat food with the chopsticks and she's like failing miserably and injuring herself because of it. Like, it's also the fact that like, these are people who, I, I, I'm gonna, I, I think we can all agree that like, Japanese and Chinese culture, like, typically will use chopsticks for consumption. Yeah. And these are a bunch of people in school who are illustrating these points and they're getting increasingly frustrated yeah. with the fact that they can't do it to the point where they begin saying like, oh, I just use a spork. Yeah, like, oh, I like it like, better last week. A spork? Yeah. Oh, a spork? Yeah, that split spork. A spork? Yeah. That spork. Just, but, <sighs> like, just what a weird thing to introduce. Uh, it's just like all these little like quirks and maybe just like personal preferences of the director or the writers where they're just like, I really don't like using chopsticks. So I'm going to make a scene about it for my final episode. It's just weird, man. But everything in here is weird. And and forgive yeah. us if we're kind of all over the place. It's just like that's the way this cartoon is laid out. Right. So then they talk about so, what we've already talked about, which is just like the MM, the fact that it's kind of like a warden that's cordoning everybody off within the city. Yeah. Right. Um, we get to, uh, we, we've already kind of, uh, I guess we kind of have several different things that are going on right now. And I think we can kind of break them yeah. down. Uh, and then they're going to kind of uh, come together uh, to a head. Right. And so the first one is sort of this, <laughs> and the, probably the fastest one is sort of what we talked about this uh, uh, Mamimi. Yeah. Um, she's, she's very frustrated about things. She finds this little weird robot dog. Yeah, crawls up out and, of the river. <clears throat> and she kind of, and she, she names him uh, Taku mm-hmm. and she begins to feed Taku uh, cell phone, her cell phone. Yeah. And then she comes back the next day and she has an entire duffel bag full of kids at school cell phones that she's presumably stolen. Yeah. So the point then where she is in the process of going through different back alley areas looking for people's Vespa, she has like a revenge book she does. that she's flipping through right. that have that where she is having Taku eat these things. Now, the, what is important about all of this is that as Taku is eating these, he is increasingly be- he is beginning to grow in size. Yeah, pretty sizable by the time he eats the Vespa. He's like starts off as this little kind of like you know pint sized dog, and now at this point he's like you know twice as tall as Mamimi, and kind of really difficult to hide from other people in the area. So yeah, yeah. at some point he eats a delivery truck. Yep, that's when he's out of control, and she no longer like yeah. has any sway over him whatsoever. And so that's like the point where she's about to merge with everybody else right. and so to hold to keep uh, that in mind yeah right so dog ear that yep. so we have this entire thing with uh amaro mm-hmm. um who he's you know which is again very very quick yep. and, and the whole idea is that like he is kind of uh he's trying to talk to naota to tell him like she's gone like you have to grow up so he's talking about that. uh first he's saying like yeah mamimi is like it's a nice you got a nice high school girl there. She looks real sad, and you should have treated her better than that. And he's also saying, Haruko's gone. That's not even her real name. Her real name's uh, Raharu. And then he breaks down, like, the whole thing that she's after, which is completely wrong, but it's a funny way for him to kind of, like, to try to spell that out to Naota. Uh, right. Um, but he's after this thing called, like, the Terminal Core. And they're trying to prevent the MM from activating and, and finalizing their, like, ultimate plan or whatever so they're looking for something called the terminal core which will activate this thing and set it on its path of destruction so he's kind of doing both of those things at the same time and again we don't really know what the the thing is no. that it's going to activate like we're 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 not 100 percent sure 
Um, or what the terminal so, core is. They don't know what it looks like either. They like drag exactly. a giant thing out of the out of the water, and they're just like, well, it's not functional, so it can't be the thing we're looking for. Right. Yeah. Um, but you know, all the while he's trying to kind of give uh, Naota this pep talk of just like it, where he gives him other eyebrows <laughs> like on top because he's trying to say like if we we've mentioned coming of age story, yeah. he's just like you know, and the fact that like. He's Naota is trying to hammer in to himself like being an adult. He's like, You want to be an adult? Here's these eyebrows. Here's these eyebrows. Like, there were, here's these eyebrows, which is fucking crazy. The weird thing, well, many weird things, but like when the two cats were like romping around together and he was just yeah. like, Cats should play with other cats. And he like hits right. him in the face. He like swaps him with his eyebrows, smacks him in the face with him. And the idea is, I guess he's trying to, he's trying to assert that she's not of this world. Right. And so. You are of the planet Earth. You should find a nice Earth girl. Earth girls are easy. So it's that. And then he's also saying that she is looking for... This is where we're starting to get in some of the like actual plot elements. Ooh, this is the conspiracy theory portion So this is... He gets most of this right, but then one major part is pretty wrong. some of it. So he's saying that she is actually going off to MM because she's looking for someone known uh, Atomsk or Adamsk. And he's known as the Pirate King who has enough of this NO energy that he can technically like steal entire solar systems or even manifest galaxies. Sort of the way that uh, Naruto, because I can't remember his name, is, is able to like bring monsters into his world through his little noggin. This pirate king is able to like bring entire solar systems or galaxies in. Same kind of way. So, so why does uh, Amaro think that uh, Haruko's after this guy? Because she's in love with him. Yeah, and he's kind of depicted as like, a human, like a, like a He-Man looking figure from the neck down, and then he's just got like a jet of energy for like a head. Like you couldn't see much yeah. more than that. And uh, that's supposedly who she's not after to kill, she's after to rescue him from M.M. That's what he right. thinks. Completely wrong, but that's what he thinks. Yeah. So she's trying to, she's trying to rescue this pirate king, this, this intergalactic love story <laughs> yeah. that's now kind of, uh, you know, He's now in this intergalactic. Naota is now in this yeah. intergalactic love exactly. triangle. Like it's like uh, two superpowered individuals. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So that's sort of where we have a a motto. Like you know, we we've mentioned that he has this sort of awkward uh, moment, but like nothing really comes into play. That's sort of again where his story then kind of folds in with the rest of right. it. Right. So now we sort of have the main Haruko and Naota story. Yeah. So like Naota's just kind of like bummed out at school. He doesn't want to prevent alzheimer's so he just like straight walks out just goes home and when he leaves he ends up back home like at his diner at his family's diner which is a parallel to the the first episode and this is where we talk about that manga sequence right so haruko's there and he freaks out kind of like where have you been why didn't you tell me you were leaving what have you been up to why are you back now what's the deal and he freaks out and he freaks out in the whole manga thing so like in between like all that angst and all that confusion all that frustration but also like happy that she's back and hopeful that they can be together and blah, 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 and all that stuff. There's also the weird perversion from the father and the grandfather, like, oh, give me, give me that gurry gurry and all that kind of stuff. And that's all happening at the same time. Just like this tangled mess of emotions and hilarity, but it's just so weird. So it kind of, it kind of hits this point where all of these emotions are sort of out there, but nothing, nothing's been resolved. Right. And so we then have this, this moment where they're in now it's his well room. even before that real quick so at one point the father asks he's like he takes Naoto aside and he's like this is the last time i'm gonna ask you like i need to know what does fully coolie mean 
And it's sort of like that's a fun moment for like the viewers and the fans out there because they're just like, yeah, finally something. And then he's just like, I don't know. I don't know. What I don't know. And they say <laughs> coolie coolie like a bunch of different times for a bunch of different reasons. So it doesn't mean anything. So then, yeah, like you said, later on at night. They're, uh, they're in a bunk bed. Naota is kind of asking all these questions uh, to Haruko. Like, you know, like, why are you here? What are you doing here? Like, what's, like, what's the point? He thinks that she's sleeping. She's wide yeah. awake. She hears all of this stuff. Yeah. And she kind of pivots down and is just like, you want to run away with me? And and I you you kind of you kind of see you know the I I think it's hard I think that Haruko is using him yeah. for his ability you know but you can really kind of see in that moment that like Naota really does care about yeah. her a lot yeah she at one uh, point says like you're the only one whose brain works right so that scene it know, makes to be him able to feel create sp- that no portal yeah, so it makes him feel special but at the same time she's just using him because he's the only one that has that ability and she needs him to get right. to what she's after. So it's right. kind of that, I don't know if anybody out there is listening or Sean or myself has ever been in like a relationship with an older person um, that you like look up to them more so like you're attracted to them, but you're also like looking up to them as sort of like a role model or a mentor or somebody who's wiser in the world. So you kind of put aside any of these warning signs where it's just like, this probably isn't the best thing for me. It's probably like, now I'm probably just naive and don't know what's going on. This person's more experienced, so obviously what they're doing is right, and I shouldn't be worried about it. So it's really frustrating to see that kind of happen to this kid. And he's so love-struck that he just kind of goes along with whatever she's saying. Yeah, because he runs away with yeah. her. And presumably, he has the time of his yeah. life. They are homeless, sleeping on park yeah. benches, space. Eating, ra- <laughs> eating ramen. Eating terrible ramen on a space eating Vespa. Eating terrible ramen. Yeah. A space- Sounds like fun to me. <laughs> And so this is, this is what the relationship yeah. is. And so they, he's happy. Naota seems genuinely pretty That's happy. That's what he wanted. You know, school, kids at school are kind of talking about him, about how he hasn't been in for a while. Like, there's a parent-teacher conference, you know, where, they're saying, like, where his dad is just like, oh, I understand, you know, that my son should be going to school. Yeah. Has an entire story about how he killed a hamster. Yeah. Um, like, you know, it's, <laughs> that is it's, so it, there's weird. so much random aside, yeah. you know, that's going on there. Uh, you know, it just sort of, it all feels like a distraction yeah. because I think that that's sort of the end because now we kind of are all merging three storylines right. because as we mentioned, uh, this whole Mamimi with this, this small little robot that has now grown to a massive scale, yeah. uh, it hits, it hits terminal velocity yeah. And this thing is now unwieldy. Yeah. So she's like in danger of it. It kind of shows up. Um, Amaro, basically, they pull this thing from the river. He realizes that this isn't the thing they're after. And then when this disturbance kind of happens with this massive dog creature, he's just like, oh, shit. Like, that's the terminal core. And it's already being, like, activated. So this thing is now in, like, full-on monster mode. And this is where Amaro shows up. But they can't really do anything to stop it. And this is also where our buddy Conti shows up. So you think Robot Man's going to run into the rescue and put a stop to this thing. Instead, what happens next is one of the more insane things that happens on this show. Oh, God. So his, like, it looked like his back or his, like, shoulders kind of unfurled. And it looked like he was going to have... Into brain into matter. Brains. Into what looked like brain Just, matter. Just, like, long tendrils of brain. Like, it looked like he was going to have, like, wings or something to pop out. Because they were silhouetted like for a second. But no, no, no. Pink wing pink brains, wing brains. Pink wing brains which, come out of his scapula. Which then all just like attach to like the head of this monster thing and they just fuse together. At which point Amaro's like, oh, he's another component of this thing. So we are all right. fucked. 
because now this thing is like about to be activated. Right. So this this thing is is now at the point where it, it it's ready to be able to to unlock whatever it needs to. Which, so yeah. we we've been talking about this giant hand uh that's in town. It jumps like with it it launches itself yeah. towards the palm of this hand that is up there. Uh Haruko sees this happening and it's just and flat out says it looks like a climax. Yeah, get ready and for the climax. Like, oh Ooh, no. There's like 5 minutes left. Yeah. Yep. And so like she immediately launches uh herself up to the top of there, uh realizes the state of these two components for the terminal core and just goes, "Well, time to add the final piece." Well, and even looks even at- just before they do that though, they actually when they're on the Vespa, they get shot out of the air by Amaro. Oh, yeah. Amaro has like one final chance to stop them. And he, there's a cool moment where it's sort of like Haruko's in the background, Amaro's in the foreground, and uh, Naota is caught in the middle of it. So Amaro says to him with his crazy eyebrows, he's like, look, she's using you, she's dangerous, she's going to end up hurting you, come back with me, you don't have to be an adult yet, come back with me and go, you know, man up to that high school girl, that, that cute high school girl that you hurt so bad. And he gives him that one final chance. He's like, you either come with me and stay a kid for a while, or you go with her and get hurt trying to be an adult. And right. now just turns around and goes back with Haruko, which is what leads yeah. to this this ridiculous point. Uh, this is the point where Haruko takes out her bass guitar and smashes Naota <laughs> in the head, yep. sending him into what looked like a sandworm from Beetlejuice's yeah. mouth, yeah. which is part of this terminal core that's been growing, which then jumps down into a small hole that is in the palm of the hand and activates yep. it. So now all machine parts. Are together, so you've got that that last little terminal core. You've got uh, Conti, was that his name? And then you've Conti, and then yeah. you've got uh, Naota. So they're all kind of fused together, and they've activated this machine. So now this machine, when so this when this hand. happened, we we glimpse. Don't isn't this where we glimpse Naota's kind of like vision, his little hallucination? Uh, yeah. So yeah, we go, yeah. we see what Naota sees, and he sees a row, like a line of these giant hands, reaching for massive irons, and then just kind of like ironing their way across the galaxy. And they're basically like flattening or destroying worlds as they go by literally just ironing them, kind of like like well, mega I- ironing out the wrinkles. ironing out the wrinkles of your brains ironing out the wrinkles of your brains or of the worlds themselves. Sort of like mega because mega made from space balls. They're just yeah. like ironing things away. Yeah. And and the idea is that if they iron if if medical mechanica irons out the wrinkles, nobody will be able to think again. Yeah. Like they will remove thought. Everybody's thoughts will all be the same. Okay. And so this is the moment where the hand begins to lift up and kind of move towards this iron yeah, and it looks, to be able to activate it. It looks like it's like it's there because the way that they shoot it, they shoot it at like a low angle up and it looks like it's right. there and it's got the iron. And you're like, well, now we're all fucked. And moments before the hand would reach onto it, this is the moment where suddenly our robot buddy yeah. appears and kind of blocks yeah. he's just, this hand he's from being able to grab hand it. Up. Yeah, before it can grab the and handle. then. Out of the screen <laughs> of the robot's head comes Naota, yep. but now but Naota. this is like this is super Naota. Yeah, he's like this he's is like, like uh, Super Saiyan Naota. He's like Nine Tails Fox Naota. <laughs> yeah. I mean, this guy is he is uh, he's full of just this like kind of uh, uh, pink purplish yeah, energy, like, like radiating uh, energy. The same kind, the same kind of energy we saw when uh, Amaro was describing uh, Atomsk, Atomsk, whatever. Yeah. Um, same kind of like radiant energy. And it's just like, oh shit. Like he's gone through a change. He's gone through like a metamorphosis. 
And at this point, he actually has two guitars kind of strapped over his back. So he's got one kind of double neck guitar, and he's got another bass that's on his right. back. Pretty, pretty slick. And so we, we've been talking about these conspiracy theories that Amaru uh, has been kind of saying that, like, you know, he's trying to, that, that Haruko is trying to save for love this, the pirate, this, king. Spa- this yeah. pirate king. Uh, what has happened in this process of, of, of Naota becoming a part of the Terminal Core and activating this machine is that he has taken the powers of the Pirate yeah. King. And you realize that what, like, this love story, this love triangle is not a not love triangle close. anymore. That Haruko just wants that power and she is now pissed she has, that Naota yeah. has gained the power that she's been trying to get for From so long. From the beginning. That's, that's been her whole thing all along. She wanted to free this guy to get his power so that she could have this power. So that's why she's tracked right. him across kind of like space and time. That's why she kind of cozied up to Naota because she needed his ability to be able to unlock this thing. But she's super pissed when she finds out that he, t- he takes it from her. And they have kind right. of a, it's a short battle, but it's kind of a, a pretty hefty one because they like slam into each other and they exchange blows with like the guitars and stuff. And they're, they're basically like mashing back and forth. What's interesting is I know we keep saying bass versus guitar and things like that. It's because there is only one guitar and the guitar is the one that came from the Pirate King. So basically whoever holds the guitar has that kind of power and is sort of like the protagonist of the moment. So whoever has that guitar is sort of the hero of the story at that point. Right. And that also is a symbol of adulthood, right? So you've got all this energy, you've got the guitar, that's the symbol of adulthood. So in this moment, Naota is finally like thinking and acting and behaving like an adult. Haruko is actually, with respect to him, being more childish. She just wanted something, she couldn't have it, so she throws a tantrum, throws a fit, and he basically like, Womp her for it for a little while, but then he does something interesting. He does. Uh, in the midst of this this critical battle where Haruko is trying to get this power, Naota, Super Naota, yeah, Super Naota, <clears throat> flies in down next to her, stops, looks up and kisses her. Says, "I love you." And says, "I love you." Yep. And it was like this sweet, like tender loving moment he even blushes he's got a little blush where i think it really rides the line between that childish innocence that's there and sort of him finally being an adult yeah and like it's it all coalesces in that one moment and you're just like it's just, it's really, it's really sweet because that's what everybody wants. Like, I, I don't want to say that everybody wants that, but I'm just saying yeah. like. It's pretty you know, universal. What, yeah. It's, it's a universal desire and want to, to have somebody that loves you, whether it's a, a family member or a significant other, you know, having that, that family, having somebody that you feel comfortable around that you can confide in. And he feels that he's found it with her and she, like, it's just like. It, it's defeating yeah. it's defeating but again that's that's what love is in the context of this show is is defeat and he he learns that he learns that the hard way and it's it's a tough lesson to watch and then the craziest thing is he kind of in that moment then sort of you can you can read it as he kind of doesn't quite hit the mark for being an adult because at that moment like he kind of flares like all the energy flares up and out of his head like giant wings sprout from his head this is essentially the pirate king in like his phoenix form right so it's all of his energy 
They picks the iron up off the ground. The giant hand kind of crumbles, and he absorbs everything into himself. And then the energy just kind of like falls up, and it just flies off into space. So that yeah. goes. The iron crashes back down. Haruko's bangle starts like jangling off in the direction of the way that the thing flew. And then Naota's kind of left behind. So Naota no longer has all those abilities, no longer has all that energy. He's just back to being like Naota the kid again. And Haruko is there, and she asks, he like looks to him. She's like, well. You let him get away and I have to go after him. And she kind of looks at him. She's like, you want to go with me? He doesn't really say anything. And then she's just like, eh, I know you're just a kid. And then she just rides her Vespa off in space. Yeah. So it's, it's super sad because it's rejection, but it's also like part of his decision to say like, I don't think I'm quite ready to grow up yet. I'm going to hang out and be a kid and not be like a weird uh, masochistic space doll for you. <laughs> <laughs> But it's, it's like a bittersweet moment, but it's like one of the most original endings you'll ever see in anything, let alone just anime Jesus. itself. So yeah. And I think at this point, it's Naoto picks up the base that kind of was left behind. You also see right. Mamimi kind of drag herself up from the rubble that had collapsed around her. And she has an interesting arc here. She takes a picture of the base and then says goodbye to him without him really knowing it. Just kind of like cuts ties with him. And then she leaves school to apparently become a photographer. So she just kind of right. like travels around and is now a photographer. Uh, yeah. And then, and then we kind of all, like there's one final shot yeah. in a bedroom of the bass guitar that Naoto has Well, before up. we get to all that, because that's, well, that's a kind yeah. of cool thing to okay. close it out. So now Naoto goes back to school. He's still a kid. They have the conversation about like the sodas and whether he wants a sweet one or not. And they have this whole back and forth thing about just establishing that he's still a kid for now and he's fine. Then he has his little dialogue about, like, nothing amazing happens in this town. Well, while he's saying that, they're showing, like, the cloud of steam kind of dissipating from the iron that was, you know, destroyed. That You see the giant iron still sitting on the hill, but it's kind of, like, grown over with uh, foliage and stuff. As he's saying, nothing amazing happens in this town. You see right. the robot, like, in his maid's uniform, just, like, washing dishes or hanging laundry or something at this point. And it's, like, everything he's saying about, like, nothing amazing happens, like, this is still a crazy place to live. It's just that you're so jaded and so focused on yourself that you don't recognize all of these things. And then, as you were saying, we get one shot in the room. We get this one final shot in a bedroom where we see Haruko's base. Uh, and then it's just one of the strings just all by itself just gets Bung. plucked. Nobody's touching nope. it. It's just a random string just plucked by itself. And it cuts out. Yeah. And that's and it. Because that outro. So it's kind of cool because it's like uh, the energy is still there. There's still something left to be told. We don't know if we're going to see that in the next, you know, 12 episodes of the series that are going to be new or what we're going to see. But um, yeah, holy coolie. Hey, I got a fun fact holy for coolie, you, buddy. Everybody. What's up? The creator of uh, Evangelion voices a cat series. Yeah. But he's uncredited. <laughs> did you watch that same video that I did? I don't think oh, okay. so, but I, I know what you're talking about. Because, I mean, I love this show, and, you know, it's, it's hard not to, to want to immediately go to the internet and just be like, tell me the things, fill in the blanks. Yeah, I had to. Help me fill in the Honestly, blanks. I have so many questions. Guys, I had to for this one, because it's like, if you just watch that episode, especially with not watching the first five in, you know, 15 years, real tough to figure out what's going on. Oh, boy. But this is a fun one for, like, fandoms and stuff out there, because you get to really dig into it a lot, so. Speaking of fandoms yeah. out there, let's get into some of these reviews. You want to take Love It or Hate It tonight? I'm going to take oh, Love of It. Of course you are. <clears throat> now, these are from IMDb, too. So we pulled these from uh, 
IMDb reviews, we have one, the most lovey of lovey and the most hatey of hatey. So uh, this is a... Uh... This is from, it looks like Levelin. It's like Levelin. Levelin? Level, every day I'm Levelin. Every day. Uh, from Massachusetts. Uh, is, uh, it's titled Me, period. Uh, 10 out of 10 stars. Uh, at first glance, Fully Coolie seems like a foolish attempt at putting too much randomness into an anime, but it's also one of the most artistically perfect pieces of work ever. <clears throat> While it indeed is filled with craziness, there is an obvious and very strong structure to the plot. Every scene is intimately connected to every other scene, and it works perfectly. There are inherent themes about love, friendship, jealousy, and the discovery of all of those as one grows up. The music is simply the best in anime, period. Um, disagree, yeah, agree to disagree. Back in 2002, uh, we had some, yeah. yeah. Every major sequence has rock music by the pillows in the background. Uh, and every time, it seems to fit perfectly with the scene. While the music is excellent by itself, it strengthens the emotions that Fooly Cooly is trying to deliver in those scenes. At just six episodes, it's short. But because, it's, because of its shortness, the plot structure is incredibly tight, allowing it to have such great connections within. Fooly Cooly is simply an excellent work of art. Don't look at it as the best anime ever created. Look at it as a beautiful piece of art that chose anime as the medium to deliver itself in. Good job, Levelin. I uh, will disagree with some of your points, but uh, you make some, some sort of points here along the way. Yeah, yeah, I think they made some good points. I think it, it backed up some of the things. I would disagree maybe on the music. Yeah. yeah. Now for the, uh, for the other side of things, <laughs> I have to apologize in advance to our listeners out there who are triggered by the R word, but here it comes anyway. This is from E. Kim, 1982, from USA. This is back in 2004. Uh, it is a one-star review out of ten, and it is titled, So Freaking Retarded. I have seen a lot of anime. In fact, I'm a bit of a recent convert to anime fandom. <laughs> Great start, Ikim. Stop I've it. I've seen a lot. I'm recently converted. Cowboy Bebop is what got me into anime, and I've been loving it ever since. But when I see Fooly Cooly, it just reminds me of everything I once hated about anime. This has got to be one of the stupidest, most unwatchable anime I have ever seen. It doesn't have any kind of plot, no story or character development, and no real characters that I can make out. Some 12-year-old kid constantly has a penis growing out of his head that turns into a robot, and he's constantly nagging some 13-year-old girl that chain smokes. Thankfully, this ridiculous show is only five episodes. That's wrong. It's not action, it's not comedy, I don't even know what it's supposed to be. All I do know is that it's garbage. If you're some sort of pothead, then maybe you would enjoy this show. Otherwise, don't even bother wasting your life to watch this. I will remind you it's only six episodes. That's only three hours of your life. Hopefully you live longer than three hours. Uh, if you do only live three hours, you probably can't appreciate Fully Cooly so much. But uh, I don't know, buddy. Do you recommend this one? And if not, does it get the dip? I definitely recommend this one. Uh, I'm going to say the same because it's one of the most crazy but unique anime series you'll ever watch. So I would not recommend this to people who have never seen an anime series before. This is not a gateway anime for anyone out there. But someone who's kind of like seen sort of the typical stuff and wants something a little different, a little crazy, a little avant-garde, or if you have an artistic slant, yeah, definitely check this out. I recommend the opposite. You should throw people to the wolves with this anime. This should be their gateway drug into watching anime uh, and has been our gateway drug into Anime April. Yeah, it really has. So we started off with an interesting one for you guys out there, but it does have a fas- uh, passionate fan base or a fashionate pan base. Ooh. 
I love passionate <laughs> pans. All right, pal, what are you up to over the next couple of weeks for our listeners out there? Oh, man, as always, I'm performing improv in Washington, D.C. with Washington Improv Theater with a group that is called Knox. That's N-O-X. You can find more information and tickets with dc.org. And as always, I'm on the grams and the Twitters at Sean Paul Ellis. And you can find me on Twitter at DrClawMD. You can also find me at Collider.com, Nerdist.com, and DaveFrombor.com. If you're interested in finding out more about the show, a great place to start is our Patreon page, patreon.com slash Saturday Morning Cartoons. Remember, that's morning with a U. You can also find us on our very own website, SaturdayMorningCartoons.com. Check us out on Twitter at MorningTunes. Take a look at Sean's handiwork on our Instagram page. Keep the conversation going on Facebook and listen to our free audio podcast each and every week through YouTube, iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play. As always, if you have a suggestion uh, for a future episode, drop us an email, SaturdayMorningCartoons at gmail.com. Guess what, guys? This is Anime April, so the next couple of weeks are going to be all anime all the time. Probably nothing as crazy as this one, but if you really want to know what we're covering in the next couple of weeks so you can prep, like I said, head on over to our Patreon page, and with just a couple of bucks a month, you can get access to our newsletter where we send out uh, the, the next month's list of shows that we'll be watching, and a lot of other cool stuff over there, too. So Definitely check that out. Check out some of the parts. And thank you very much to our Patreon supporters so far. Uh, anything else from you, bud? Oh, man. I, my final question for you, yeah. Dave, is what do you think Fooly Cooly actually means? I think it means grandfather's a pervert. Whoa. Or I'm going to leave it. Yeah. Fooly Cooly. All right. Fooly Cooly. Well, Fooly Cooly, everybody out there, and thanks for listening. We will see you next time. Hey, everybody. Thanks a lot for listening to Saturday Morning Cartoons. Now, if you'll excuse me, I have to transform and roll out. <laughs>